Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Western New York race fans, it's time to crank it up. Start your For the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host. Let's go out there and have a good day, all right, bud? Dave Buchanan. Good morning, race fans. 11.02 here on WGR Sports Radio 550, and welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening, as always, and I am Fired up this morning after that big Bandits win at home the, in the first round of the Eastern playoffs last night over the New England Black Wolves and uh, had a chance to be on the broadcast once again with my friends John Gertler and Randy Mearns. We were on ESPN 1520 last night and be our live, and what a great win for Buffalo, 13-6. to I will admit Bandits have kind of taken some of my focus away from racing here over the last couple of weeks as it's been an exciting season and looking forward to next weekend's uh, Eastern Division Final at home here in Buffalo at the KeyBank Center and we'll uh, we'll be glued to uh, BR Live tomorrow night to find out who Buffalo's going to play, whether it's going to be Georgia or Toronto. Either way, it'll be a pretty epic matchup, uh, both uh, Buffalo losing to well, actually, splitting splitting the season series with Georgia this year and Toronto winning the season series. So uh, two teams, Buffalo, love to get a little revenge on, too, uh, next weekend in the playoffs. But that has me fired up. But we've got a show to do here this morning. And phone lines are open at 803-0551-888-552-550. You can also tweet us at Fast Track 550 and we're on Facebook, too, facebook.com slash WGRFastTrack. But... Speaking, uh, again, just getting some other sports out of the way here this morning, who would have thought that we would get to the first weekend in May and it would be the Kentucky Derby disqualifying a winner of the race before NASCAR does, huh? <laughs> I just, I was uh, I was at the arena yesterday, so I didn't watch the Kentucky Derby live. You know, we were uh, prepping for a broadcast and doing everything, so I didn't watch the race. I was sort of on Twitter when I had some breaks yesterday, and I, I saw so, sort of saw something weird happen, but I, I didn't fully... Uh, grasp the situations like at home after the Bandits game and, and I w- went back and watched the race online and, and saw some stuff on Twitter. I'm like, are you kidding me? They disqualified the winner of the Kentucky Derby. Um, and <laughs> Jeremy White's tweets, you know, this is the end of sports and everything was pretty funny and a fair take, I think, because of what replay uh, does to us as sports fans as much as when it's good for our team, we also see things like what happened yesterday and just face palm and like what what is what is this world come to but uh i i'm shocked that we've gotten this far in the nascar season have not had a disqualification of a winner with the uh, the new post uh, race uh, tech inspection but yet the kentucky derby had its first winner disqualified in 145 years yesterday at churchill downs what a crazy uh time we live in ladies and gentlemen but I, and again i am surprised we've gotten this far and uh, not had a, at least one winner uh, either be totally thrown out or some kind of major infraction. Uh, so far, everybody's been clean in all three national series with uh, te- the post-race tech inspection. Every winner has is, is passed cleanly this year, which, I'm, I'm frankly, I'm, I'm glad to see because it just opens up an ugly can of worms. But And I thought it, you know, I thought it would just take one guy getting bounced for, for the uh, – for teams to really, uh, you know, smarten up to the rule. But apparently they, they've – they realize what a big deal it would be if if they are the first ones to get bounced, and uh, everybody has played within the rule book. At least when it comes to the race inspection, we obviously still had you know 
qualifying inspection penalties. We've had plenty of those still this season, but when it comes to the winner, uh, all the winners have cleared tech inspections so far this season in, in NASCAR's National Series. And speaking of NASCAR, as Mike said in the update here at the top of the hour, they're in Dover this weekend. And today's race is on WGR, uh, weather permitting, of course. Uh, green flag just after 2 o'clock this afternoon, pre-race at 1, courtesy of our friends at the Motor Racing Network. However, there is uh, lots of precipitation in the Dover, Delaware area uh, this morning and this afternoon. So they're hoping to get a window to get the race started, but it might be a long day uh, for the folks there at Dover. Unfortunately, uh, Dover, you know, one of the tracks without lighting. So, again, they'll be, you know, up against daylight, but... So that, you know, maybe we'll have till about, you know, seven o'clock or so to try and get the race in, whether it's the complete race or at least get through the end of stage two to call the complete race. But we will uh, be monitoring that situation. And uh, I've not seen any schedule changes yet this morning. If I do, we'll pass those along to you. But again, weather may be a factor. Uh, here uh, for NASCAR today and Dover, but we will have it on WGR. We've also got NHRA in Atlanta this weekend, and envious of my younger brother who just happened to be there Friday night for some of the qualifying and sending me, texting me videos of Nitro Funny Cars with flames streaking out of the headers as they time trailed on Friday night made me a little envious because I've never been to a national event. And also, we're going to talk about IndyCar here this morning, and that's actually what we're going to do here on this opening segment because joining us in about eight minutes or so is the voice of the Indianapolis 500. You will hear him call the race here on WGR Memorial Day weekend. Mark Janes of the IMS Radio Network will join us once again here at quarter past the hour to talk about the Indianapolis 500 because it is the month of May. And uh, with the month of May, all the great sporting traditions like yesterday's Kentucky Derby, like the Stanley Cup playoffs and the Indianapolis 500 and the Coke 600 and that great race day, uh, Memorial Day Sunday, when uh, our favorite, uh, one of my favorite days of the year is we have the uh, you know the Grand Prix of Monaco in the morning, the Indy 500 and the Coke 600 making a, a great triple header of racing. And uh, so the month of May is here, and business is uh, picking up at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Next weekend, of course, they have the Grand Prix race there at Indianapolis on the road course. And then attention fully turns to preparing for the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500, the 103rd running of the greatest spectacle in racing there over the Yard of Bricks. And the uh, entry list was posted uh, this week. Uh, There was a uh, test session uh, the previous week, uh, early testing going on already there during the last week of April. And we have 36 cars entered for the Indianapolis 500. That's up one from last year. They had 35 entered last year. So that means they're sending cars home once again, a a, a tradition that uh, went away for a couple of years when they were just lucky to get a full field of 33 there, uh, you know, just uh, a few short years ago. But now that interest in IndyCar racing has picked back up and uh, the number of teams in the sport has gained here in the last few seasons, uh, we're able to once again uh, have bump day really mean something and bump cars out of the field. And that has been a hot topic of discussion here as we've gotten close, gotten into the month of May at Indianapolis uh, because the topic of cars getting, <clears throat> excuse me, cars getting bumped from the field has been uh, talked about in should there be guaranteed starters for the Indianapolis 500 and something I'd love to hear your thoughts on at 803-0550, 1-888-552-550. Should there be uh, guaranteed starters for the Indianapolis 500? Should the, you know, the IndyCar series regulars, you know, depending where they are in the points inning, should they be locked into the Indy 500 field and not have to worry about not qualifying? Because remember what happened last year, James Hinchcliffe, a series regular, 
did not run the Indy 500 last year because he was bumped out of the field in one of just two cars not to make last year's race. And what a huge development that was uh, last season. Uh, again, there could be a good chance that some series regulars could get bumped because three cars are going home. As uh, you know, you look at some of the non-series regulars that are going to be in the field. You and look at Fernando Alonso is going to be back in the Indy 500. He was in it two years ago for as McLaren came across the pond and entered Fernando in the race. They're going to do that again this year. Uh, he ran really well two years ago, but then engine problems with about 20 laps to go took him out of the race. They're going to be back uh, in a McLaren car. Uh, number 66 uh, entered. Uh, so one of the many uh, bonus entries and uh, along with all the series regulars, but there has been a lot of talk of you know IndyCar series regulars being locked into the field, most notably from some of the sport's biggest owners, the biggest owners, the Roger Penske's, the Chip Ganassi's, the Michael Andretti's, the three power teams of the sport, all uh, publicly, you know, especially I've, I've seen quotes from Penske and Chip Ganassi that saying, yes, that you know there should be their drivers should be locked in and not have to worry about, uh, missing this race, be, uh, and they should be locked in, kind of like how NASCAR locks their drivers in uh, to their fields for their races because of the uh, the owner points and um, the uh, charter teams, of course, in NASCAR. But IndyCar doesn't have that parachute. They you know they don't have to send cars home in any other race of the season. It's it's not a topic of discussion. But for this race, the biggest races of them all, and on top of that, this race is worth double points in the IndyCar championship. So. If you're a series regular and you miss this race, your title shots almost pretty much go down the toilet. I mean, it took James Hinchcliffe uh, out of the standings last year missing this race. And uh, so that's the the other thing teams are worried about. Not just the chance to run to win the Indianapolis 500, but for the teams, again, going for the championship, uh, it is a pretty huge deal. Despite all that, I am for keeping it the way it is. I, I think uh, to have that uh, that excitement that drama on bump day uh finding out which cars are going to go home i think uh, that's something that is great for the sport and i think it helped drag uh, drives extra attention to it and uh, i'm fully for uh, keeping it the way it is where uh, any car can get bumped out of the indianapolis 500 field uh whether it's you know the uh, the worst car in practice or it's defending race winner will power you know they're they know going into qualifying in a few weeks that uh, they got to put it all on the line in their four laps because they, uh, if, if they, there is a chance that they could miss the field. And again, 36 cars entered in this year's race. Again, 803 And it's been a very uh, balanced season, I guess, so far to date in the IndyCar season. It's just four races into their schedule. Their last race, of course, was at Long Beach a couple of weeks ago, but four races, four different winners from four different teams. Uh, Joseph Newgarden has a win. Again, Alexander Rossi won at Long Beach. Takuma Sato has a win this year, the uh, former Indy 500 winner. And then the rookie, of course, uh, Colton Herta that we talked about um, for Harding Steinbrenner Racing also has a win. And then you look at the standings, and the top five in IndyCar points come from five different teams, albeit some of the power teams of the sport. But, you know, you've got Penske, Andretti, and Ganassi right there, one, two, three, with New Garden, Rossi, and Dixon. And then you got Sato, fourth in points, and Ryan Hunter, Rafer, Andretti rounding out the top five. So, again, very early in the season, but still uh, every team, uh, different teams have gone to victory lane so far here in 2019 for the uh, NTT IndyCar Series, which I have to get used to saying their new title sponsor this year. Um, but it, it's, uh, you know, it, obviously, you know, the 
the Andretti's and the Penske's and the Ganassi teams, obviously the power teams, they're going to be the favorites once again. But still, good to uh, you know, it's a good possibility that uh, this could be a, an open title fight this season. And again, the this part of the the schedule for the IndyCar series, you, it's really the the tide can turn so quickly with with the Indianapolis 500 because you've got the double points on the line in the 500. And then the very next week, you go to Detroit at Belle Isle with a doubleheader. So really, you've got four four races worth of points spread out over you know two weekends and, and three races. And really, uh, you know, you have you know you run well at the 500, and maybe you do really well in one of the two out of, out of Detroit. Or if you do poorly in the 500, maybe you get crashed out, and maybe you don't have a great weekend in Detroit. It could really uh, make or break a driver's season. Maybe not totally take them out of it. But obviously, uh, th- those guys that perform well in those two weeks of the year could really make a break a championship run in the IndyCar Series. With that, we're going to go to the Western Hotline and bring in the voice of the Indianapolis 500 from the IMS Radio Network. Mark James joins us on the line. Mark, it's Dave Buchanan here in Buffalo. Good morning. Great to talk to you again, and happy month of May, my friend. Yeah, Dave, thank you. Uh, I was beginning to think maybe an ordinance had been passed in the city of Indianapolis and Speedway uh, against the sun shining, but uh, Mother Nature has <laughs> blessed us after several days of rain, uh, several weeks of rain, seemingly with uh, with sunshine and blue skies, and we hope we can bottle a little of this up and uh, and save it for the IndyCar Grand Prix coming up this weekend, and of course the rest of the festivities and what promises to be an exciting month of May. Uh, we are going through the same thing here in Western New York. It is sunny here this morning in Western New York, and we're just thankful to see the sun once again. It's been a, a long, cold, lonely winter, as George Harrison said once. Uh, really, as you talk about the city city of Indianapolis and Speedway there in Indiana, just describe to me the feeling around the city once that calendar page turns to May. Well, I became a resident of Speedway. As a matter of fact, I'm about a 15-minute walk from the Pagoda. Uh, this is uh, our fifth year of living at Speedway, and uh, and I can tell you, as soon as the calendar turns over to May 1st, I swear when you're driving around with your windows down, you can actually feel uh, the energy throughout the town of Speedway and the west side of uh, of Indianapolis. Um, you know, banners go up, pictures go up, checkered flag goes up, the flags go up in all of the windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are festivities like the, the, the Rev Indy event at the Speedway last night. Uh, there was the Mutt Strut last weekend. About a week ago, I had the honor and privilege to of emceeing an event at the um, at the IMS Museum with Chip Ganassi and Scott Dixon. And so, um, you know, of course, the the mini marathon was yesterday, and uh, you know, thirty five thousand plus involved in, in in pouring rain, and no one seemed to mind. So, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's just um, you know, it's 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 a month long Christmas like celebration in the springtime for sure. Uh, real quick, let's just get your thoughts here about the entry list. 36 cars, a, uh, a star-studded field once again, and it's, it's great to see a, a good sign-up of cars for this year's running of the greatest spectacle in racing. Yeah, that's a great point, and I, and I think the thing that pleases me the most, which I think is indicative of the overall health of the series, uh, is the fact that so many of those entries, the overwhelming majority of them, uh, were decided upon some of them before we turned over to 2019 during the off season, mm-hmm. but, but many of them were locked down by the time we got to um, to St. Petersburg and then uh, uh, to Barber and to Long Beach. So I, I think that's huge for the series uh, that, that 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 teams uh, feel confident enough and and are able to secure the financial uh, package uh, to be able to get an early start. Uh, then you got teams like Dreyer and Reinbold who, uh, you know, have, have done a one-off in Indy, but they're not their tr- your traditional runoff team. I mean, they, 
participate in other forms of racing, mm-hmm. uh, but they work with a mindset toward eventually getting back to the series full-time. But this is also, you know, several years in a row now, now that they've had one-offs, and their driver tandem is back as well, and Sage Karam and J.R. Hildebrand. So that's that's huge for them. And, and, and the other teams that expand entries, again, they're familiar with the process, and so uh, I think all of that combines to make for a very uh, compelling two days of qualifying a little bit later on this month. Let's get your take on the hot topic of discussion, and that is guaranteed entries for the Indianapolis 500. Where do you stand? Uh, should any car have a chance of getting bumped out of the field, or, or do you feel that you know certain drivers that are regulars in the series should have maybe a, a little bit of a, a, a net to catch them? Uh, should they be locked into the field for the 500? Uh, well, you know, I, 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 when I hear uh, the opinions of, of, of people like the legend Mario Andretti celebrating his uh, 50th anniversary of his win here in 69, uh, say that no, no spot should be guaranteed, which is some, you know, direct conflict to, uh, uh, to the opinion of his son, uh, <laughs> Michael Andretti of Andretti Autosport. Uh, I, I kind of agree with that, but I, I think when James Hinchcliffe then comes out and says, no, nah, I, I don't agree with that. Uh, you know, James Hinchcliffe missed the Indianapolis 500 last year. Mm-hmm. Not an ideal scenario for his sponsor, but he still did the media tour. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that Arrows, in, in the fallout from him not making the 500, probably got as much, if not more, publicity and notoriety than they would have had Hinch made the race. Um, I, I, I don't know that it's necessarily as big an issue as everyone is making it because those, those guaranteed spots – those leader car entries for full-time teams that race in every race throughout the course of the series, I think that number's around 20 or 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that leaves you 12 spots up for grabs, uh, which is about where we are right now, in fact. And, and, and I think those 12 spots would still be enough uh, for, for some of those teams, you know, that, that aren't full-time teams that, to come out and give it a shot. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, uh, you can spin it however you want to spin it. It's the fastest 33, and I think that's the way it's got to stay with absolutely no guarantees whatsoever. But there are people much smarter than me <laughs> going to make that decision ultimately, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what they do and whatever they do and what they decide will we'll certainly fall in line in terms of our coverage for sure. Amen to that. Mark James from the IMS Radio Network joining us here in WGR's Fast Track. Mark, how about this rookie class, though? Maybe one of the most exciting in in recent memory. You've got the Swedes, Er, uh, Marcus Erickson and Rosenquist driving for Chip Ganassi. Uh, Ferrucci, you've got Pato Award and, of course, Colton Herta, who's already got a win this year. Ben Hanley out of England, a a very... uh, The the race for the Rookie of the Year Award is going to be a race within a race to watch. Yeah, and as it should be. I mean, a lot of those drivers that you mentioned have had a lot of success in other forms of racing. And so um, I think it's fascinating to see that it doesn't always translate into success. Although, you know, I think Colton Herta could probably be a little bit higher up on the points than he is. Of course, that uh, impressive run that he had at, uh, at Circuit of the Americas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, I mean, Colton has been fast, and, and some of the issues that he's had – have not been of his doing that have led to you know less than desirable finishes and uh, I mean I, I think he's going to be fast on the road course I mean he's just the real deal and let's not discount the technical alliance that Harding Steinbrenner Racing has with Andretti Autosport I mm-hmm. mean uh, right now uh, they're they're from what I understand their shock program is about as good as there is and uh, and I think that's what Colton you know and the, and that team. 
benefits from uh, greatly. Uh, plus the fact that the kid has a pedigree that is as impressive as any who has come to the sport in a very long time. Uh, but then you talk about Felix Rosenquist. I mean, everybody's got can't miss on that kid. I mean, uh, you know, I, as I mentioned, that, that, that deal I did at the museum a few weeks ago with uh, Chip Gadaski and Scott Dixon, mm-hmm. you know, Chip said there was a, there was a list of guys there, and uh, he went to Scott Dixon for one and said, okay, which one of these guys would you like as your teammate? And Scott didn't hesitate. He said Felix Rosenquist right away. And that's, that's pretty high praise for sure. Uh, but, you know, Erickson's had a lot of success in a lot of places. Uh, uh, Ferrucci comes with a, a, a fair amount of controversy with the, the well-publicized incident he had with running into the rear of his teammate. But, um, <laughs> you know, let's, uh, let, let, let's face it, uh, th- th- that kid knows that, that he's getting a mulligan. He's getting a do-over. And uh, I, I think he's put his, um, his issues behind him, realizes that he's been given a second chance, and um, – I know he's saying and doing the right things as far as the rest of the paddock is concerned, and I think he's a he's a kid with a lot of talent. So, uh, as you suggest, you you throw Pato Award into the mix, the lights champion. He got a little bit of a rough start because of the business side of things out of the gate, but uh, but all in all, I, I can't remember a rookie class that comes in with as as much promise and as much success in the resume collectively that this bunch has come in with for sure. On top of the rookies, you've got seven former uh, winners in the field, including Alexander Rossi, who won at Long Beach. He's currently second in points, and I don't know, ever since he's won that his 500 there a couple of years back, I've just been uh, attracted to this guy and, and have really been pulling for him. I guess if I if I was a, you know, a true fan, he'd probably be my favorite driver. I just think he's a phenomenal talent, you know, and, and he, uh, he had a great run at Long Beach. It really uh, a good shot for a championship run this season. Uh, that was a pretty impressive run, really, wasn't it? I mean, he won, he won that race by 20 seconds, uh, was incredibly dominant. Um, he, he's been uh, at the top or near the top of, of timing and scoring at every session so far this season. Uh, obviously been either at or near the podium, much in the same manner that, uh, that, that Scott Dixon has done in racking up his championships when he maybe didn't have the car to win. And, Dave, Dave go back to when he won – uh, his Indy 500. I mm-hmm. mean, it, a couple of months after that, there were still whispers that he might be going back to Formula One. But I think he has totally and completely embraced his life as an NTT Indy Car Series driver. Uh, he's heavily involved in social media, very active with the fans. He does a lot of meet and greets. Uh, you see him popping up at uh, Indiana Pacer games and Colts games and other events around Indianapolis. And, uh, uh, you know, did the amazing race with Connor Daly on CBS. Uh, a couple of years ago, and yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, and, and our driver analyst Anders Crone and I talked about the second half of the season that he had last year. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, believe it or not, even with a five-month off season, a guy can gain some momentum in the second half of the season, not win a championship, and put himself in a position that many think he's the favor to win the championship. And I think that's exactly what uh, what Alexander Rossi did. I, I, that, that's a, that's a great observance on your part uh, and a great comment. I. I don't think if you're going to lay money on Alexander Rossi to win the championship, I think you got to like your odds to win that bet by the time the season's over for sure. All right, Mark, before we let you go, we're going to hold your feet to the fire. Uh, who, who's your favorite to win? Who's your favorite to uh, be drinking the milk in victory lane uh, a few short weeks from now here at the, the beginning well, of the month? Well, I will say this. Uh, my emotional pick that, that with my heart, I would love nothing more than to see Elio Castro Nevis win his fourth <laughs> Indianapolis 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, had the chance to spend some time with Elio in Long Beach at, at an event. And, um, you know, I, I, he misses being full-time 
but he understands the opportunity to win the 500 that he has with Penske. Probably going to win a sports car race today at Mid-Ohio, in fact, in the IMSA series. Mm. But um, the emotional pick would be Elio Castroneves. But um, I just got a sneaking suspicion that um, it's been 50 years since Mario won. Uh, Marco is running the same livery. Marco's always good at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And what a story it would be if Marco Andretti gets to victory lane at the Indianapolis 500. Uh, and it, it's been a long, long time since he had that well-publicized battle with Sam Hornish in 2006. So yeah. uh, I, I would say Marco or any Andretti driver, quite frankly, has a shot. But but but, but mostly I'd love to see, uh, from an emotion standpoint, I'd love to see Elio get his fourth for sure. Very good. Mark Jane's IMS Radio Network. Mark, enjoy the, the month of May, and uh, we'll be looking forward to hearing your call here on WGR for the greatest spectacle in racing Memorial Day weekend. Thank you so much for the time. Hey, I appreciate the invite. Call me anytime. Thank you. All right. Mark Jane's from, again, IMS Radio Network, the voice of the 500. You can follow him on Twitter, too, at Jane's Mar, and always gracious with his, his time here on uh, WGR's Fast Track. We get back. We'll uh, talk a little NASCAR. Again, they're in Dover. An interesting race last weekend in Talladega as well, too. We'll cover that. We'll take your phone calls at 803-0551-888-552-550. You want to sound off about the Indy 500, and should there be a, a guaranteed starting positions for series regulars in the Indy 500? We can talk more about that, too. We get back here on Fast Track on WGR. Hey, this is Chase Elliott, driver of the number 9 Napa Auto Parts Chevrolet. You're listening to WGR Sports Radio 550. Chase Elliott, your pole sitter for today's race at Dover, the Gander RV 400, which you can hear right here on WGR. Coverage is going at 1 o'clock this afternoon, courtesy of the Motor Racing Network. Hopefully a green flag around the scheduled time of just after 2 o'clock today. We'll see lots of rain in the uh, Delmarva region there. Uh, along the eastern seaboard this afternoon in Dover, but uh, hopefully they get the race in today. Not one of those uh, Monday deals, although, heck, I'm unemployed, so I'll be able to sit watch it. <laughs> but uh, hopefully they get the race in today uh, there at Dover, Delaware. Uh, no, Jeff Striegel from the Motor Racing Network just tweeting, uh, update, Dover, 11.30 a.m. It's raining, so there you go. But, of course, they've got the Air Titans, so and those uh, bank corners at Dover, all the water kind of drips down anyway so hopefully it'll be if if they do get a break in the weather they can quickly dry it and get going this afternoon uh quickly i uh, talked about joked about the kentucky derby to start off the show did get uh an email from nbc sports this morning and buffalo was the uh tied for the sixth highest market in ratings for the uh, uh, kentucky derby we tied with dayton uh louisville of course no surprise the number one market for kentucky derby ratings cincinnati fort myers indianapolis knoxville and then Buffalo and Dayton tying for sixth best in TV ratings there at uh, Dover, Del- or Dover, Delaware. Well, that, that that is a horse track, too, there at Dover Downs, but uh, uh, Churchill Downs for the uh, Kentucky Derby. Uh, back to Dover Downs and, and Dover, Delaware, where today's race will be for NASCAR. As I said, Chase Elliott on the pole and all Hendrick front row with Chase Elliott and William Byron, Kyle Larson, Joey Logano in row two. Then you got Alex Bowman, Kevin Harvick in row three. Eric Almirola, Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, Clint Boyer rounding out your top 10 starters for today. Ryan Blaney in 11th. Jimmy Johnson always runs well at Dover, starts 12th. Truex in 13th. Eric Jones starts 15th. You've got uh, Kurt Busch back in 19th. Kyle Busch way back there in 22nd starting position today. Uh, Ryan Priest back in 29th for uh, today's Gander RV 400. And uh, the big story there, of course, it was single car qualifying as NASCAR came out this week and uh, altered their qualifying procedures for 
uh, tri- uh, for the whole series outside of the road courses, and group col- qualifying for ovals has gone out the window. NASCAR has saved the crew chiefs and engineers from themselves once again as uh, NASCAR has tried the group qualifying here for the last few years, and the crew, as I joke about all the time, the crew chiefs find a way to take NASCAR's best intentions and ruin them by trying to uh, just... Uh, work the procedure to try and get the best advantage for their team, which again, as I always say, yes, that is their job, but it sucks all the fun out of it and probably ticks off some of the folks there down in Daytona that they take their their great idea to put on a great product for the fans in the stands and the fans that watch on TV and the crew chiefs crap all over it. And you get the joke we've seen so far this year where they sit on pit road until the last possible second and then everybody runs out there and some guys don't even put, put a lap down because they can't get on track fast enough. So NASCAR has saved the crew chiefs and engineers from themselves, and we're going back to single car qualifying, and that's what happened at Dover on Friday. And it was kind of funny to hear the the coverage, and I, I don't know if how sincere. I mean, some people might have been sincere, but it was all, oh, it's so great to have single car qualifying back, and I miss the intensity, and, you know, it, it's just – you know, I, I I forgot what it feels like to just be the only car out there and everybody watching it, blah, blah, blah. So I'm sure some guys probably truly felt that way and some guys were maybe just putting the line out there to try and put a better face on it. Um, you know, NASCAR trying to, you know, put qualifying in a nice package for television, basically, a nice, you know, one-hour package or 30-minute package, however long the qualifying goes for TV. That's why they went to, partially, mainly why they went to the group qualifying instead of, just single car go out there, you know. It, it again. It's if you're not a diehard fan of the sport, it's probably not the most entertaining thing. But again, fortunately, fortunately, the the again the teams you know kind of messed it up because they they tried to put all the strategy into it and uh, just took some of the fun away and it made wound up making NASCAR look ridiculous when you have all the cars sit on pit road like that. So again, they had to save themselves from the crew chiefs and we've gone back to single car qualifying, which it's it's really fine with me. I like group qualifying, but I hated how the teams would would mess about there and, and you know hold up the show and, and everything how how ridiculous it looks so I'm fine they're going back to single car qualifying some people are probably not happy and and think it's boring I'm used to watching single car qualifying in short track racing so it, it doesn't bother me one bit it's fine I I didn't watch on Friday I was in my car and I was listening to some of the coverage on MRN and you know it's Instead of maybe focusing, you focus on the car or the track, but it gives them more time to do driver interviews and more of the storytelling they like to do. And also, NASCAR did a cool thing, uh, as from media standpoint at least, again, something that fascinates me as always, is they've worked commercial breaks into the qualifying show. It, they, they have put, I think it's like two-minute windows at certain times during the qualifying uh uh, qualifying runs to allow TV to go to commercial. And that was one of the things people complained about, about the single car qualifying originally, which is why they went to the group qualifying package, because TV would have to take a commercial break, but there'd be cars qualifying. So they would try and do it over, you know, some back marker or field filler. They they try to show all the big name guys qualifying, but they would still have to step away and go to commercial during qualifying. So you'd miss a car or two. So NASCAR working with the media partners at Fox and NBC and said, all right, we're going to go back to sim car, but we'll work in these two minute windows, so you can go to you can go to break, get your spots in, and we won't you know no one will miss one of the cars going out, so everybody you know everybody can see um, 
you know, I can't even think of the field fillers anymore. Uh, Quinn Huff, you know, every <laughs> we won't miss Quinn Huff or BJ McLeod time trailing. Everybody will get their their time on TV, and you can work around that. So I guess that's one good thing out of it, at least from a media standpoint, is NASCAR had the forethought to kind of work those into the package uh, for the new qualifying procedures. So group qualifying is dead. They'll still do the road course group qualifying uh, at Watkins Glen and Sonoma. Um Maybe the Roval, I can't remember now if the Roval was in, the Charlotte Roval was included in that, but Watkins Glen and Sonoma will do their usual uh, group qualifying they've done for the last few years. I don't know why. If they want to do group qualifying, really break it into groups. I mean, I think the the, the short track series around here have got it nailed down pretty good with the, the Super Dirt Car Series and the Race of Champions Series. Uh, you know, how they do it for their modified events or, or any, any of their series events, all the drivers show up and draw when they come in. And they're, so they're put in a list. They they take the field. Say you've got 28 cars. Fine, we'll split it into four groups of seven. Send group one out there. No time. You just go out there. You get a warm-up lap, green, white, checkered, fast as the two laps, boom, back in the pits. I don't know why NASCAR can't just do it like that. You can get your group qualifying and let the drivers decide. You know, instead of this timed crap, just say, all right, you got two laps, guys. You can either spread out. Or you can be in one big pack and draft because obviously with the aero package this year, drafting even on the mile and a half tracks now is a more common occurrence and, and improves the speed on these cars. So we're going to send you out there. You've got one warm-up lap to figure it out. Everybody spread out or everybody stay in a group, but that's it. You don't have time to screw around or drag your heels out there. And I'm sure they'd still figure out some way to screw that up, but why not just do it like that? Just split the field. You usually get 36 cars show up, so you get four groups of nine. Send them out there. You know, maybe smaller groups on short tracks, fine. But uh, it's a, it seems like a pretty simple fix to me. And, again, save the crew chiefs from themselves and trying to just, you know, put them in a box and make them stay in it. But we get single-car qualifying. I'm fine with it. So we're moving on to that. And, uh, you know, that, that's how it is. Another, another media thing, and, again, I didn't watch the coverage on Friday, so I'm not sure how this looked, but I think they're going to do more of that ghost car stuff where they can project the image of the current pole sitter on top of the car currently on the track and, and again, add to the drama that way of the TV package. And speaking of TV, last week at Talladega, great race, by the way, uh, improved with the the tapered spacers. Uh, it, the race was better than I anticipated. Uh, we, you know, we talked about closing rates. They wound up not being as crazy in race mode as some had feared after what they saw in practice during over the weekend. Um, but, I was fine with it. It was a great, great race. Lots of, of comers and goers. It was a nice mix. You could the leader could still sort of block, and we we you know saw that a little bit. It wasn't as egregious as what it's become in the last few years of the restrictor plate era. So, but the leader still had a little bit of control. But it was it was just great to see. You had two lines all the time. There wasn't you know the outside or the inside didn't have the uh, you know the stronger run. Um, you know both lines had a. Had a, a had a shot at it. Uh, if you fell to the back, you could still hook up and come back to the front. And it was, uh, you know, it was a pretty good race. And, and and it was, you know, it was still very typical of a super speedway race, not a restrictor plate race. I'm trying to stop saying that. Um, you know, we still had a couple of big ones, especially the the one there at the end where uh, Kyle Larson, of course, uh, got airborne and, and flipped, and he had a hard hit there at the end of the race with. Um, now I can't remember who the other car was he crashed with. Was it Jeffrey Earnhardt? I'm trying to remember 
who Larson crashed with there on the backstretch, but they both hit pretty hard. But the scary thing was Larson's car getting airborne just from sliding sideways, and I know NASCAR is going to take that car back to the R&D center or probably take a look at that, try and figure out how he got airborne because we haven't seen a lot of those blowovers like that in recent years. They, they've tried to engineer these cars so they don't take off like that when they get sideways. So that was kind of scary. But Fox's coverage was just garbage once again. They 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 botched the that, the the last lap crash. You know, they're they're showing they they, they totally they couldn't get a good shot of Larson rolling down the backstretch. It seemed like whenever they would go to commercial, something important to the race would happen. Now again, that's they can't predict obviously what's gonna happen on the track, but still they go to commercial so much that, uh, you know, it, it, they miss so much. The end of the race, there was a lot of commercial breaks, including full screen ones, uh, or they, they'd come back and have to do some kind of feature. They had like a Joey Logano Coca-Cola feature that they did do a dual screen with there at the end of the race, and it was just, uh, just again, pull your hair out, television from Fox, and it, it's been kind of the norm for them this season. And uh, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm one again. I, I'm a media nerd, I, and uh, you know, I, I the something the TV covered. I guess is one thing I like to rant about a lot. But uh, again, it was just a, a horrible uh, a job by Fox. I, I mean, they're they're getting better in certain areas. I think Brad Keselowski, someone that spoke up about this, but the tight shots with just two cars. Thankfully, we didn't get a lot of that last week. Um, but still, they love to cut away to like those in-car shots, and you really can't see anything, and you wind up missing something because they they're so quick to jump to one of those bumper cams or one of those in-car shots, and uh, it was just just awful. Once again, job by Fox, and um, you know makes me can't wait for uh, June to come around and for NBC to pick up things uh, in the second half of the season. But uh, just uh, another. Uh, less than stellar uh, job by Fox on the broadcast, but Chase Elliott getting the win—that was cool because he's you know kind of the the new popular guy in the sport. So that was a neat thing at the end of the race, him getting out and the fans there in Talladega. Uh, you know, Chase is almost kind of like the heir apparent to the the Earnhardt, the Dale Jr. fan base legacy, I guess you could say. So there, so it seems like a lot of Dale Jr. fans have kind of pivoted to Chase. So that was a, a a neat thing with him getting out of the car, and it really meant a lot to him too. He said how much uh, his experience there. He said that was something he'll never forget with the fans. That was cool, and Chase uh, did a got a great run there at the end of the race, and it was interesting for him to win. Of course, his dad's history there at Talladega. You know the 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 Winston Million year when he came back from two laps down to win the race and running the 212 mile an hour lap. You know the Elliott family's great history there. At Talladega, not as big as the Earnhardt family legacy, yes, but still the Elliots do have some history there at Talladega. And the the funniest thing was that wasn't the Elliott family's only win that Sunday. His dad, Bill, awesome Bill from Dawsonville, uh, got my shirt on this morning. In fact, uh, he won a race that day too. He won a a vintage uh, road racing. I think it was in, in uh, Road America. Uh, Bill Elliott actually won a race the same day uh, Chase won at Talladega there last Sunday. So the uh, the Elliott family continues to pile up the wins here. Uh, Bill Elliott, uh, at his age, uh, he still does a little bit of sports car racing, got a win last weekend, so that was pretty cool. So I liked it. Uh, it makes me look forward a little bit more to the, the summer race in Daytona because that's usually a race. Try not to pay it. You know, obviously watch it for the purposes of this show, but not one of my favorite races of the year for just so much else going on in local racing and stuff that time of year, but has me a little more interested in that race because of how well I thought it went uh, at Talladega last weekend. All right, we get back. 
it is time, finally time, for the first local racing roundup of the year. Not a lot of results, but a few tracks to hit, so we'll hit that. Uh, we'll have time for some phone calls, too. Anything we've been talking about here this morning, Indy 500, NASCAR, uh, Fox, whatever you want to talk about, uh, single car qualifying, your thoughts on that. Phone lines are open here for this final segment, 803-0551-888-552-550. We get back here on Fast Track on WGR. Let's find out who visited Victory Lane this weekend. It's time for the local racing roundup on WGR's Fast Track. Ah, that's a sweet sound to hear. That means local racing season is here, and we've got some results to talk about. Not much, but it's something uh, Friday was a, a washout around the region, including uh, the Ransomville Speedway season opener got rained out. They'll try again this Friday night, uh, May 10th, for opening night. Uh, first responders get in free this Friday at the Big R, by the way. They'll have the uh, all five divisions, including the Modifieds, the uh, Street Stock uh, Series with Humberstone and Ransomville, plus the Mini Stock Series with Genesee and Ransomville, both in action, too. So it should be a jam-packed show this Friday night at the Big R. Uh, State Line Speedway, also a washout this weekend, but two tracks did get it in including the Genesee Speedway over Batavia. And their open night winners were Jeremy Wonderling and the late models. Cameron Tuttle got his first sportsman win at Genesee over James Henry and Brett Senek. Josh Pangrazio in the street stocks. Eric Brumstead in the mini stocks. And Allison DeWitt in the band, uh, Bandits division. Good to see Dante Mancuso, who we always seem to mention his name with the mini stocks. Looks like he's moved up this year as he uh, was in the late model field last night. So good to see Dante move up there at Genesee Speedway. Merrittville Speedway last night. How about this? A little fast track luck for Matt Williamson. Mighty Matt picked up the win in the 358 Modifieds over Gary Lindbergh, Fred Carlton, Pete McNell, and Tyler Willard. Paul Gabori picked up the sports win over Chad Chevalier and Greg Penante. Dave Bailey, old Brewster Baker, picked up the win in the Hoosier Stocks. Anthony Kelly Jr. in the four cylinders. Brent Bigelow in the Mod Lights. And Kevin Conley in the uh, V6 division there at the Merrittville Speedway over in Thorold, Ontario. So good to see a couple of tracks get in their weekends. They're actually on the track right now at Freedom Motorsports Park over in Delavan. They have a practice session followed by an enduro later this afternoon. Uh, they were... I think it's supposed to start about 1 o'clock for the Enduro if you are looking to check it out today, but it might be pushed back because they were, uh, they were doing extra practice this morning at Freedom. So uh, stay tuned to their social media or just head out there and check it out for yourself there at Freedom Motorsports Park. But uh, good to see the tracks are starting to get going. Uh, the uh, Lancaster deal looks like it is a, a fully done deal, according to uh, Larry Ott's continuing coverage of the story that uh, Vito Ensinacelli and Mike Swinarski have fully purchased Lancaster Speedway now. They had a driver's meeting for the dragway. Uh, the track will be called New York International Raceway Park going forward. Uh, that was, of course, the name Vito operated uh, the Empire Dragway in Leicester when he ran it for a couple seasons a few years ago. They're going to take that name since they own all the uh, rights to that, I guess. For Lancaster, uh, they have a dragway schedule that starts May 18th with a, a test and tune, and then the following week uh, they're going to get going with the drags Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday with Tuesday test and tune, Wednesday cruise nights, and then the traditional Friday night uh, weekly program. The stock car schedule is to be determined. Uh, should be uh, probably nothing till June stock car-wise at Lancaster, and I'm talking like late June most likely uh, as they continue to work out uh, what they're going to do stock car-wise. But there will be some kind of stock car season at Lancaster this year. Um but again, it looks like it'll be a late start and a kind of a, a shorter schedule. As a, you know, it's they just uh, the new owners don't have a big ties to the stock car, stock car community, so they're kind of learning on the fly and they're trying to talk to everybody and make the right decisions. So I'm actually glad they didn't kind of rush into things there. 
and uh, you know it'll just be a, a stepping stone, the first step, and uh, hopefully uh, the stock car community can show to them what a value it is to the property, and you know for twenty twenty and going forward, uh, put together a great program for the future. Uh, NHRA, as I said, in Atlanta this weekend, and uh, Brittany Force, the number one qualifier in Top Fuel. And I just had it in front of me, and now I lost it. I can tell you, uh, Mike Janis, who won last week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, at the Four Wide Nationals in Pro Mod, he's the number one qualifier in Pro Mod this week. So good to see Mike uh, get a victory. We think we talked about that last week. And uh, oh my gosh, this computer is acting up. Uh, there we go, Robert Height, uh, the number one qualifier in Funny Car. So John Force Racing taking both of the number ones there uh, in the. Two major divisions. Again, Pro Stock uh, still off this week in Atlanta. Eddie Craywick, the number one qualifier in Pro Stock Motorcycle. Uh, that's coming up uh, tonight on Fox Sports 1. And I've now, it's almost become a Sunday tradition for me. They, it, Of course, Fox's telecast of NHRA is tape delayed, but we live in the age of, you know, Twitter. So I have to, like, mute all the NHRA accounts on Sundays um, because they do spoilers, and I get it. You know, it again. It's Twitter, and and they do. I think they do live streaming anyway. There on NHRA.com, so you don't have to wait for the tape delay if you want to pay for it. But uh, I I hate getting it spoiled. I try and either watch it or DVR it and watch it as soon as I can. So uh, yeah, another Sunday for me, I guess, ducking from NHRA spoilers. Kind of like everybody's been ducking from that. What the the Avengers or what's the the Marvel movie out? Whatever it is now, Endgame. You know, everybody's been trying not to get spoilers for that, or they're trying to avoid Game of Thrones spoilers. I'm trying to avoid NHRA spoilers. That's that's where I am <laughs> these days on social media. So uh, that'll be a nice wrap up to today's race. Hopefully by then we'll have a NASCAR race in the books, and uh, we'll be back at it next weekend with uh, hopefully some racing Friday at the Big R and. Bandits playoffs on Saturday and then back here next Sunday. Looking forward to talking to you then. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Sunday here on WGR with more Fast Track. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.